Blog Talk Radio. Redbird Rant Podcast. This is episode 41. I'm Michael Miles, co-editor at Redbird Rants, and we are. Jo- I'm joined tonight by my co-editor Tito Rivera. Tito, how are you? I'm good. I've got about four more hours till Last Jedi. Let's get it going. Yeah, and right before we went on the air, I was just asking you a question. And for those who have been following Tito, because I know all of our listeners do, they follow you on Twitter, they know about your personal (laughs) struggles, and the fact that you had this challenge with yourself that you were not going to watch the trailer, did you keep that bargain? Did you not watch the trailer, or did you cheat and you watched it? Unfortunately, because I went and saw Thor Ragnarok, I was forced to endure the second trailer for Star Wars, but will admit I have not seen any other of them. So it's just that one. Well, okay then. Uh, the person you heard laughing there as well at Tito's expense, we're joined tonight by Larry Levin. Larry, how are you? Uh, any night that I can laugh at Tito is a good night. It's always a good night. And and to even things out, so it's not just Larry laughing at Tito and Tito gnashing teeth at Larry, we have with us tonight Christian May Suzuki. Christian, how are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm expecting The Last Jedi, too, so long as it doesn't get spoiled to me like The Last One did. So are you seeing it tonight as well? Uh, No, I'm actually – I have to wait a few days because it got sold out too quick. Uh, I'm seeing it on Saturday. Oh, well, don't talk to Tito then between tonight and Saturday. Oh, uh, most certainly not. I would have said that to Larry, but it's sort of a foregone conclusion that he's not <laughs> going to talk to Tito between now and, and Saturday. Uh, so you, to our listeners, welcome to the Redbird Ranch podcast. Again, episode number 41 of the first season. We are quickly going to be wrapping up season one as we get closer and closer to Pitchers and Catchers reporting. We'll probably take a couple weeks off, maybe a month off of our podcast. Uh, So stay tuned for that, uh, only because news will get slower and slower, hopefully. Uh, Although, I guess, in in all honesty, we St. Louis Cardinal fans hope the news never gets slow around the Cardinals and we continue to have great positive things. So we've got a pretty full docket tonight for our hour uh, talk, and especially with the number of people we have. So what I'd love to do is just kick off this first topic and let you know that uh, the guys are going to talk about the hot stove action that's around the major leagues, and I'm going to set a bit of ground rules for the guys, and I know that the first person who breaks these rules will be Larry Levin, only because rules are going to be broken in his, in his book. But those rules are the, the following names are off limits in this first round of conversations, and those are Stephen Piscotti and Marcelo Zuna. Outside of that, every other name is open for discussion, and you know what, Larry, because I'm pretty damn sure you're going to break the rules, we're going to start with you. And, Larry, talk to us about the hot stove around uh, Major League Baseball. I would love to, but first let me talk about Stephen Piscotti and Marcelo Zuna. No, I won't, I won't do that to you, Michael. Look, it, it's been a bizarre Yeah, let me just days. remind you, Larry, that I have the master button and I can mute you at any <laughs> given time. <laughs> well, I've got Go one, ahead. so I trump you there. So, um, look – I mean, it started out being kind of a frustrating winter meeting, didn't it? I mean, it was just like it was like people were waiting for someone to kind of kind of spur kind of the the action, and there was a lot of talk, and there were middle relievers who were you know being signed both before the winter meetings and during, you know. But it was pretty it was pretty slow, especially for us here because we were waiting for you know, something big to happen. And, of course, the thing that happened here was, you know, not getting Giancarlo Stanton, and, you know, which may end up, and we'll talk about this later, 
you know, may end up being a blessing in, in, in a variety of ways. So, so for me, it's been a very uneven few days, and the deals we'll talk about later, the ones you alluded to, Michael, you know, th- those were ones that were kind of cliffhangers where, where you went to bed not really exactly knowing what was going to happen, and then you did. Um, I guess I guess it was going to happen during the day, but Scotty was up in the air, and we'll talk about that later. But but you know for me it's been a very uneven kind of, un, kind of a weird feeling kind of winter meeting. Obviously not, nowhere near how weird it is if you're John Mazalek hanging in a hotel suite for four days, as he was talking about on MLB TV a few minutes ago. But but just an, an odd kind of weird strange kind of feeling. I I don't know if if the rest of you had that kind of awkward feeling about the last several days. Uh, you know, and in true fashion, Larry, I knew you would at least mention the two names that I had said were off limits. So I'm, I'm really proud that you upheld my expectation. Uh, <laughs> let me just add, add my, add my piece in here, Larry. I, I, I was with you there for a little bit. Um, they, they, they were a little odd to me, uh, but they're always a little odd to me. It, it feels like a yeah. force. Uh, instance where you bring GMs together and it's sort of like you say, now you guys play nicely together and, and yeah, share your toys. Yep. 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 Yeah, it's a, it's a lot like that. It always feels very strange. Um, Tito, what were your thoughts? You know, I, I don't think it was it was too weird. I mean, if you look at the last couple of winter meetings, I think a lot tends not to happen until towards the end of the winter meetings. And that's kind of what we're seeing, you know, that yesterday, day three, we saw the biggest spike in anything for the St. Louis Cardinals. And then today, you know, speculation after speculation after speculation kept us going. Um, I think for the most part, the lack of stuff going on outside of the St. Louis Cardinals really bogged the winter meetings down. And I'm sure a lot of MLB fans are kind of disappointed their team didn't do nearly as much as they wanted to. I mean, think about it this way. The only two teams that have done anything of significance, in my opinion, um, are the Yankees and the St. Louis Cardinals. And so for only two teams to really be doing anything of significance, it, it can be a bit of a drag. And so – I guess maybe a little bit of what I'll echo a little bit of what Larry's saying, but at the same time, um, it's kind of expected. And then when you see this stuff happen over the last couple of days, you know, the last 48 hours, um, you can't really complain. Uh, That's exactly what John Mosaic and Michael Gersh went there to do. And uh, they got some stuff done, but there's still more work to be had. And I think you make fantastic points that history has showed us that the winter meetings start out, with a lot of drinking, it seems like they're hung over for day two, and then the action actually starts in day three. CMS, what, what did you think about the winter meetings just in general? I mean, <clears throat> I think it's uh, typical of what you would ex- – I think it's what you would expect considering uh, how long and drawn out you had one of the biggest sagas, you might argue, in recent <laughs> off-season memory. I mean, the – amount of time it took and the way that the league was positioned and the way that everyone basically stopped in awe in, at both Stanton and at Otani. I mean, it kind of, it, it's kind of understandable that things are sort of slow, but there is actually uh, a lot of good rumors still coming out of this winter meetings, which is something I'd like to bring up. Um, the Red Sox, it seems, are looking to sign both uh, J.D. Martinez who is a name that I don't think has been talked about as much as it should have been this off season, so far this offseason, and Eric Hosmer. So, I mean, things like that are could be pretty big news, even if it's just speculation. But, I mean, it could definitely uh, turn – that could definitely turn to something, in my opinion. And don't you feel like the Yankees have to do something of that nature, that kind of a splash thanks to the Stanton signing by the – by the Yankees, I think I said Yankees. The Red Sox have to do that sort of a splash, thanks to Giancarlo going to the Yankees. I mean, it's probably it's, it, even if they didn't have to do it, the the structure of that rivalry, the way things work, and just the perception of the fact that they the Yankees just achieved a big megastar. I think just the with how deep seated that rivalry is. 
even if they didn't have to do it, which I don't, I don't think they have to do it, but it, it was inevitable considering just, I mean, it's the Red Sox and the Yankees. They always have to one up each other. There was no question that if there was no response or no attempt at a response, I'm sure the fan base would not be very pleased. Can I, can I add one quick thing, Michael? Um, the, the, sure, um, I'm not, I'm not going to mute you unless you say some of the names that are off limits. No, I, I first I want to I want to mention that you know for for the Cardinals one thing that you know I'm not pleased about you know is the Chicago Cubs signing of, of Brandon Morrow. I mean I know that you know Morrow has not proven himself as an end of game guy, but my my goodness he can present some serious problems in the late innings. So I'm not at all happy to see him up the road. They also signed Drew Smiley, but of course Smiley has to get healthy, so that's really not going to have a huge effect until uh, the year after this one, maybe the end of this year or the year after next. But the other thing I wanted to say, without touching on the specific name, is, you know, and I'd like your guys' opinion on, you know, how bad do you think um, my, uh, the, the Miami Marlins have proven themselves and their new management in their, um, in their dealings? I mean, I thought, when I thought of all the ways that they could possibly maximize the value of Giancarlo Stanton, I thought they, they may have picked kind of the antithesis of what the best way to go would have been. So, and they ended up with prospects that were really not very good compared to, you know, what, what they were offered by other teams. So, so the new management, Derek Jeter at Al, have not proven themselves very adept. At this point, I know they got rid of the money, but by the same token, they, they didn't um, – the Cardinals would have taken most of the money too. Um, so I'm kind of curious, and then and then most people think that that the deal we're going to talk about later, you know, was at least as as good, if not better, for the Cardinals than it was for Miami. So I'm just curious what you guys think about the Miami Marlins at this point. Yeah, I think if you had to if you had to say one if I had to describe them in one word right now, it would be mm-hmm. loss. Mm-hmm. I, I I really don't think they thought that Stanton trade through. And I think they were just worried so much about the money that they essentially said, ah, whatever. Because think about it this way. I mean, if your player is telling you, hey, I'll go to the Yankees, then okay, I'll, I'll deal with the Yankees, but I want to get the best prospect I can while, you know, giving up the money. But instead they instead they – Give you know they get nothing essentially, mm-hmm. and they get and they give up the NL MVP to a team that already has arguably could have had the AL MVP, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so you know I said it a couple podcasts ago when the Stanton stuff was going down. I said if I was the Marlins, I would be holding on to him until I got. A yes from him with the best deal. Right. That's right. what I would have done. And totally you know, agree. I don't care where I, I don't care where he wants to go. That is not my problem. My problem my problem is getting the best deal that I can. And if that was the Yankees, if they felt that was the Yankees, then I feel really bad for them because that is a it was a terrible trade for the Marlins, but hey, you know, again, as I said a couple podcasts ago, either when we were talking about the the mock mock meeting, when the Tampa Bay Tampa Bay GM offered me that deal for Archer Colomay, uh-huh. uh, I, like I said, one guy to twit on Twitter, don't 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 uh don't punish me for taking uh care of my opportunities. I'll <laughs> take it while I can. Yeah, and I think that's a very fair point. You know, the, the Yankees certainly seized upon an opportunity. And, you yeah. know, guys, I, I want to ask you this about the Yankees picking up Stanton. We all know that Judge had um, surgery. And by all indications, he will be back by spring training. But do you think there's even an inkling of the Stanton deal for the Yankees being a bit of insurance? Sure. Uh, I mean, sure, you, you could you could certainly see it that way because, you know, when you – surgery is no joke. Let's be real here. 
Um, and especially think about what position Aaron Judge plays. You'd, you'd have to think uh, that, sure, it could be some kind of form of insurance, but at the same time, if they expect him back by, uh, you know, by spring training, the Stanton signing just gives, just alleviates the pressure from Aaron Judge having to come back as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, I, I don't think the signing was as insurance. I think it was to have – one hell of an outfield, which they certainly will have. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, who cares how they play in the field? I mean, it may not matter. I mean, they could probably stand there and be Chris Duncan on one side and Matt Adams on the other. And as long <laughs> as they hit like that, I'd put those two guys in the outfield. No offense to Chris Duncan. Um, right. So, let's – I want to toss one name out there before we start talking about um, the minor moves of the Cardinals. <clears throat> That's Ian, Ian Kinsler. What are your reactions? Let's start with you, Christian. What are your reactions to the Ian Kinsler deal? Uh, I mean, I'm honestly not sure what to think about it. He's uh, He seems to be on the tail end of his career, you know. You could imagine that uh, a scene change might be good, but it's not like he's making that drastic of a change going from Angels or from Tigers to the Angels besides possibly a little bit warmer weather. I mean – at the end of the day, the dude's 35 years old. I mean, the prospects that Detroit received are marginal. I mean, it's really hard. I mean, it's a, it's a decent move for him. I mean, it's it's good that he's out of Detroit. He's in, like, a nicer place, and especially with all the hype around Trout and Otani and all that. Uh, it's, it's good for him, but, I mean, I don't really – especially since he hit – 236 last year. I mean, he still has big power, but, I mean, it was pretty empty. 22 homers and 52 RBIs. It's just, I mean, that's for, I mean, I, that's like leadoff hitter kind of RBI numbers with, uh, like, six-hitter home run stats. <clears throat> so, I mean, I would, I, it's good for him, but I don't know how much of an impact it's, it's going to make. Think about that uh, infield out in L.A., my God, they are going to be something else. What do you think about Ian Kinsler, Larry? I mean, I think it's – I mean, I think when, when a guy who you really want to move tells you that he'll go to exactly one team, I think it, it kind of hurts your leverage a little, you know. Uh, so, so, I mean, they got what they could, you know, and they, and they didn't see him fitting into their future plans. So, I think it was fine. I mean, I think it makes for a very nice tandem in the middle of that um, in the middle of that infield. Um, you know, as Christian says, his skills at the plate have diminished significantly. Um, but when you also when you think about it from a second base perspective, I mean, you know, there aren't an overwhelming number of phenomenal second basemen. So I think it's I think it's fine. Um, I don't have any major issue with it. Um, and you know, and he brings some, he brings some stability as they revamp their team. Again, though, I can never tell with uh, with Artie Moreno what he's trying to accomplish. You know, whether he's just trying to accumulate, you know, a bunch of pieces, or whether there's some sort of cohesive strategy to where they're going with the team that hasn't really changed over the last decade. And I really think they're going to blow the entire Mike Trout era. Um, you know, but as far as the trade is concerned, they may do, um, you know, and it's not that unlike what we're going to talk about with the guy I'm not allowed to talk about who just went to Oakland, um, you know, when, when, you're, when your back's a little bit against the wall in terms of what you need to accomplish. I'm enjoying your creativity of avoiding, you know, and trying to abide <laughs> by the rule. Tito, uh, what were your thoughts on Ian Kensler going to the Angels? This is actually a really good question, and it's something my buddy and I talked about today. Um, And what I told him was that this reeks of desperation by both (laughs) the Tigers and the Angels. Um, I'll start with the Tigers first, and I think, you know, Larry kind of summed it up very nicely is when your guy only wants to go to one team, you lose leverage, and so – 
you're going to try and get the best deal you can out of that, much much like John Carlos Stanton, essentially, um, except mm-hmm. for Stanton gave him four teams. But if Kinsler only gave him, you know, the GM and a, uh, the Angels as an option, you're you're pretty much up to the Angels' wishes, essentially. And and I, if that's okay with the Tigers' GM, then hey, that's fine. But they got what they could, and that's why it's called. That's why I think it's desperation on their part. Desperation on the Angels is much like you and Christian said, Larry. Uh, his plate skills have, have been diminishing, and last year was not a good year for Ian Kinsler. Mm-hmm. But nope. it doesn't it doesn't stop right there. It's all about Mike Trout. This is the only way that the Angels are going to get Mike Trout to the playoffs. That's it. This is the only way they they can do this. They have they need to get some starting pitching for one thing. They're not going to make it any further than uh, the Astros. So they have to they have to do whatever they can to shore that lineup up and get starting pitching. And so that's why they got Otani. Now he has a UCL sprain. So again, it just <laughs> it just smells of desperation to get to the playoffs. And much like Christian said, there's no you know, there's no proof that they're going to be able to do that. And so while, yes, Kinsler is probably better than anybody they had at second base in their, on, their te- on their team, that's not going to be enough. And unfortunately for the Angels, you know, without pitching, that's, it's not going to happen. And so uh, that's why it's just, it just reeks of desperation for me. And I'm glad there was not even a single second of the Cardinals interested in in, Kins- in, in Kinsler. All very fair. And I have to agree with every one of you. That I wanted to talk about his name and that deal because I, I am so glad you said that, Tito, because the, the first thing I saw when I read that, I shook my head and said, what is this pile of garbage? Yeah. Yeah, but, I, I completely agree. You know, and I, was, I thought, well, thank God neither of those are our GM, although it, it really did sort of reek of a cardinal move in years past. That being said, let's take a quick break, and on the other side of the break, we're actually going to talk about the St. Louis Cardinals. So you are listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast, episode number 41 on Blog Talk Radio, and we will be right back. Thanks for sticking with us. You are listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast, episode number 41. Michael Miles, our panelists tonight are Tito Rivera, Larry Levin, and Christian May Suzuki. And guys, let's dive into the St. Louis Cardinals. Let's talk about the lesser moves that the Cardinals made. And, and, and I don't even know if that's fair to say lesser. We'll just say less than a sparkle of a name. And those would be uh, Luke Gregerson, uh, Miles Nicholas, and am I missing any one of the lessers? I, you can, I guess don't you can think, so. think, I think Francisco Pena, but, I mean, that is less. That's less, less. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we could talk about him, too, because he is Tony Pena's son. And I, I wrote a piece about him because uh, the dude's got some good numbers. So we, we could talk about him as well. Um, so let's just toss it out. And, and, Christian, you take the lead on this one. Let's talk to us about those. Uh, three names, your gut reaction to them, and then we'll just go around the table. Well, uh, I mean, I like the pickup of Gregerson. I think he's, I mean, as bad as his control can be sometimes, I mean, he's a, I think he's a really talented pitcher. He definitely has his, his streaks where he's tough. And, I mean, this year, <clears throat> unlike years past, this year his, his FIP was really high. Um, it was 460. Six two this year. Uh, in 2016, he had a 3.28 ERA and a 2.99 FIP. So, I mean, it was a little bit of a down year for him. Uh, his control is a little little shaky. I mean, that's but that's kind of typical of St. Louis Cardinal relievers. But if he can uh, get himself going, he can definitely be. He's a very talented pitcher, so he could definitely fill in a late inning role for us. Um, sorry, who was the other? Uh, what was his name? The Francisco. Nico... What was Francisco his last name? Pena. Sorry. Oh, Pe- we get Pena. I apologize. We got someone from Japan, did we not? Uh, that's Miles Nicholas. 
Yeah. Miles Nicholas. That's right. That's right. Having international success is it's 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 good because considering that um, I think that the Japan league is probably equivalent to AAA, if not greater than AAA, especially since you have a lot of stars coming through. <clears throat> If you can if you can uh, maintain a little bit of success there, uh, a, a la Eric Thames, I think that even if it's for a short period, I think that that can translate into success for uh, for the Cardinals. Um, now, I'm glad obviously that's a short term deal because I don't know how long you can expect him to to sustain that kind of success, especially as teams and as coaches. Uh, you know, run into him more, start to face him more often and, you know, start to get more data and more scouting on him. But I think uh, as a fill-in, as a gap, you know, as a bridge to allow some of our younger pitchers some more time to develop, I think that's, I think that, um, I think it will be a good pickup for us for, for the moment. And any thoughts on Tony Pena's son, Francisco Pena? Oh, um, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I have not really done much research on uh, Francisco Pena, but, I mean, Tony Pena was a solid player. Which, I mean, there's uh, – obviously, it's hard. You can't just uh, try and compare the father to the son. You have to allow that son to sort of, um, you know, stand out as his own player instead of, you know, being compared as a shadow. So I'm not going to try and make any assumptions based on how Tony Pena was, but I'm hoping that because he is the son of a baseball player, he has the, the not only the fundamentals, but the ethic necessary to uh, work his way up maybe. And, uh, you know, just be a serviceable player in our system. Well, I'll tell you, if you're looking to do some research, there's a really nice article on redbirdrants.com about Francisco Pena. <laughs> so you can, go, you can go check that out as a little plug there. I think I will. Uh, let's turn over I think to, I will. Let's turn over to, to you, Tito. Talk about those three names, the Lizard King, uh, Gregerson, and Pena. I will do it this way. The best move out of the three in my opinion, is definitely Miles Miklas. The starting rotation needs help, especially with Lance Lynn's departure. Uh, well, I guess we can assume that he is leaving the Cardinals. Um, the most surprising move, definitely Gregerson. Um, and an underrated move would definitely be Francisco Pena. Now, Miles Miklas, you know, that's going to be uh, remains to be seen. Need to see how he does in spring training, and then tra- and see if he can translate that over to the big leagues. Otherwise, you know, it's an experiment by John Mozeliak and, and Co. For Gregerson, you know, reports said you know that was a guy that they didn't want to give up at the time that they did, and now that he's back with the Cardinals, let's see what he can do. I mean, he's definitely. I don't expect him to be the Cardinals' closer, but. I do expect him to be in the eighth inning role. And he's going to need to have some success there if he wants, you know, wants to be a part of this team. And and I think the Cardinals are comfortable with, you know, with him doing that. Um, and he comes cheap. Look at what Nicasio signed for. Look at what uh, Jake McGee signed for. You know, that's the kind of bargain play that the Cardinals are usually making and, you know, as much as we probably would all like Nicasio back, um, you know, having Gregerson on a two-year, $11 million deal doesn't seem so bad, considering if the Cardinals are looking to add on some payroll here uh, with a particular signing or not. And and one thing I want to say about Francisco Pena, um, and I want to throw this out to the group as well, I find it odd that they would go find a catcher at this time. It it only smells at this time like as if I wonder if the Cardinals are considering trading Carson Kelly. They've got a guy, Andrew, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, so sorry, but uh, Knizner. They've got a guy, you know, making some noise down below in the lower leagues 
And Carson Kelly is a valuable trade chip sitting on the bench. He's better off in a trade, in my opinion, than sitting on the bench right now. Um, so, you know, I, I'm taking it with a grain of salt, and I don't think it's going to happen. But I wouldn't really be that surprised if the Cardinals used, uh, you know, Kelly in a trade chip and possible deal with the Rays. So ooh, that, ooh, that's let me my thought. So let, I, I do want to throw I do want to throw that out there to the group, though. Ooh, I am so glad you said that because I thought the exact same thing, and I didn't write about it in the Francisco Pena piece, but I I tried to hint at it a little because I was waiting for a follow up piece that I'm I'm thinking about, uh, and that is it was no accident that they picked up Francisco Pena. They went and got a minor league deal for a player who had major league experience. They didn't go find the triple-A catcher, because that may tell us something different. But the fact that Mosaic went out and found a guy who had, now granted, it's not a whole lot of MLB experience, but it is nevertheless MLB experience. And that makes, just by sheer nature alone, that makes Carson Kelly very expendable. And not cheaply, mind you, but it makes him very expendable, because now you could move... Francisco Pena up to be the backup. And quite honestly, from his numbers, he would be very serviceable. He'd be probably even better than Eric Fryer. Um, and, and that'd be a good thing. Anytime someone's better than Eric Fryer, that's a good thing. Um, and so <laughs> he would be up there to back up Yachty, allowing uh, Kelly to go elsewhere. In fact, I actually saw a tweet today that I thought was saying that we had traded Kelly. That's how much I believe in that, in that thought. What, what do you think about what, Tito just brought up Larry. Well, I, I mean, you never can, you never can necessarily believe what, what uh, baseball execs say. But right before we we came on, you know, Mo was was saying on MLB Network that they didn't have any interest in trading Kelly. But again, with a grain of salt, because you never ever know. But I've I've kind of thought the other way. I've kind of thought Knizner had a phenomenal Arizona Fall League. The whole mm-hmm. world now knows about him. He's the one to me who could be the trade chip. Um, so, so they stock the minor leagues with, you know, a proven minor league catcher, you know, to provide, you know, the support at AAA, and, and in, in and that protects them in the event that they have to offer a promising 22-year-old uh, Knizner um, in a deal. I personally do not think Carson Kelly is going anywhere. Um, not just because Mo said that because now we're only two years away, um, you know, from where we could evolve to, you know, a full, you know, where Kelly taking the lead and, and Molina, you know, being the secondary. So I expect to see Kelly taking more at-bats, a few more games this year, not a huge amount, but a few more. You know, if he, if he had 35 games this year, it would not shock me. Um, and 127 for, for Yachty, um, you know, but I don't see – Carson going anywhere. As far as Gregerson is concerned, I'm thrilled. Last year was was literally the only non, you know, very good exceptional year he's had in the major leagues. Um, A lot of people think it was because of the burnout from the World Baseball Classic, so I'm very bullish on him. I like him better than Nicasio. While Nicasio may may be more of a closer uh, potential, I think that I think that uh, Gregerson is much more of the sure thing, and Nicasio is much more of the bet. Um, and then I love the Nicholas move. Um, I think everybody had been scouting him uh, in the Pacific Rim. We beat out the Cubs. We beat out the Brewers. We beat out the Rangers. And it protects against what is almost a sure thing at this point, which is that Adam Wainwright will not prove capable of being a, um, a, kiss, a consistent starting major league a pitcher at this point in his career. Christian, any thoughts? Uh, I mean, I definitely don't see Kelly getting traded, honestly. I think that there's been so much talk. There's been so much time taken in in developing him. Um, I think, like you said, with uh, Stanton being possible insurance for uh, for Judge, I think that the Pena move might be possible insurance for the catchers should one go down and they just want to make sure that they have all the best that they can at the catcher position. 
um, someone who can both fill in as a AAA guy and will probably spend most of his time in AAA, and, but someone who has also proven that he can play at the major league level and fill in when necessary, when there's an injury, when someone's tired, uh, when there's an opportunity at the catcher's spot for Yahya to rest. I think that that's more what this is than more than a, uh, a piece that allows us to trade Kelly. You and Larry are very boring in this one. So I just want to put that out there to you. <laughs> Tito and I are the exciting ones here. You two have disappointed me immensely. I'm Let's sorry. Did you say move. something, Michael? Uh, no, I'm muted. Um, Larry, talk to us about the other guys. Uh, any more comments from you about Gregerson and uh, the, the, the Lizard King? No. I mean, although although I'm surely hoping that he opens a, a snake restaurant in uh, in St. Louis. To go with Shake Shack, we can have snakes, Snake Shack. So that would be ideal. I like it. I like it. Uh, any more from you, uh, CMS, on these three minor moves before we move to the big ones? Uh, I mean, I just—it's just a matter of uh, them being able to control pitches. As far as I'm concerned, it's been a thing that I've been annoyed with with many St. Louis Cardinals pitch relievers over the last couple of years. I just want them to throw strikes. At the end of the day, that's all I care about. And that's a really, really good point. Let's do this. Let's jump into the first of the two big names. And I'm going to set a little bit of ground rules here. Larry is not allowed to say his name, but everybody else (laughs) is. And that is Stephen Piscotti. Let's talk about saying farewell to Stephen Piscotti, but the ground rules are Larry is not allowed to say Stephen or Piscotti at any time. Let's actually start with you, Larry. I'm excited. You're not allowed right. to say Stephen or Piscotti, but talk to us about it. I, I'm thrilled to be able to talk about Stephen Bliscotti. He is uh, <laughs> he, he's he's been a he's been he's been a really nice um, St. Louis Cardinal. Um, he had great promise. He was showing a very linear um, you know uh, trajectory on that promise until this last year, you know, and really nobody knows um, totally you know, what What took him off his game could have been the very sad news about his mom. It could have been, you know, mechanics. It could have been a lot of different things. He He's a studious guy, right? I mean, not just because he went to Stanford, but because when you listen to the guy, you know, he was a very, he was a very um, shrewd observer of baseball. He was very self-corrective, I thought, in his ability to analyze where he was. Sometimes people think you can – overthink in that regard, but, but the year before, you know, we saw him adjust and adjust in a positive way, so so I think there's a lot of baseball in this guy. I, I, I'm really bullish on him. I don't think he's ever going to be a big banger, but I think he could easily be, you know, a very potent flasher um, line drive, you know, 40-45 double guy in the major league for many years, and I, I, I the Cardinals get tremendous props for uh, getting him back to the to, to the Bay Area, they got uh, they got commendation from the, the Cardinals did from across baseball today for what they did. You know, it was really a, a very nice uh, human interest story. And of course, you know, everybody knew that they needed to trade outfielders and that they would probably trade him, and they, that they probably still will probably trade Randall Grichik. But you know, they got you know reasonable prospects you know, an infield prospect that they can maybe utilize, a little more flexibility there. You know, as Tito has pointed out, the the number of infield prospects the Cardinals have is very, very slim, you know, so they restock that shelf. And maybe if there's another deal coming, you know, to Tampa or somewhere else, you know, maybe maybe one or two of those guys is desire one or both of those guys is desirous, you know, to who we deal with down the road. So, Worked out well, I think, for both teams. They didn't have a huge amount of leverage because everybody knew they were trading outfielders. Um, but they did the right thing. They got a couple of decent prospects. Um, and so I, I think all's well that ends well on that front. Uh, Christian, what do you have to say about saying farewell to Stephen Piscotti? 
Uh, I think I uh, I wrote one of my first pieces here was a uh, Dottie and how his batting approach kind of changed uh, over the past year, couple of years or so, and how he could fix it. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't quite come to be. But I will really remember Stephen Piscotty in the, at least the next few years as prime example number A as to why John Mabry should be fired. <laughs> I mean, the dude has so much potential. I mean, he was a 20-home run hitter, which, I mean, he, that most certainly could have been built on. He had such great promise. He had all the confidence in the world. And then he just stopped swinging at strikes. And his hitting approach changed when Mr. Mabry came in. And suddenly, he's a castaway. And he was, he's been a castaway for the Cardinals fans for basically the last year or so now. I mean, him... Grichuk, these young outfielders that who's just fallen out of grace despite their promise, who I'm sure still has value around because I because other teams know that they can develop these these players. I really, I mean, I, I can't see how you can look at what's gone on with Piscotty and not question John Mabry as someone who's been in the game as long as Mozeliak. That's a. I will always agree with you whenever we're going to bash Mabry or Matheny. So way to go, Christian. I'm I'm giving you points for that one for sure. And and before we move to Tito, I do want to give some props to Larry for only playing up the name game one time and then managing not to bring up the name again. So congratulations uh, to hey, you, yeah. Larry. I like yeah, that. I I noticed that too, and I didn't want to say anything. Well, you know, I'm, I'm certainly going to take that dog and put his nose in it. So way to go, Larry. Good job. Now, to you, Tito, talk to us about saying farewell to Stephen Piscotti. I think it's a, it's a bittersweet day for St. Louis Cardinal fans, and I, it really stinks to lose a player like Piscotti. You know, as Christian says, you know, he had a lot of potential. I don't even want to talk in the past tense. He has a lot of potential. He really does. And it's just unfortunate that one bad year, you know, caused fans to kind of rebel. But but it goes beyond baseball. You know, one of our contributors, Zach, he he wrote about it going beyond baseball. And that's and essentially this is the cop out that the Cardinals are going to use. Um, and that doesn't take away from the great gesture that it is, but it is a cop out to say, Hey, you know what? You know, thanks for your time. Um, we're we're going to move you and it's for the better for both, you know, for both parties. And one, because the Cardinals traded for, you know, Ozuna, but that's just the way it is. It's baseball. That's, that's just the business of the game. And it's like, I, you know, I was saying in our chat earlier today, you know, sometimes you, you have to make moves and that there's nothing else to it. So it's a bittersweet day. I didn't want to see him go, but it was almost inevitable. And when you kind of run into that kind of force, it, it's, it's really hard to ignore. So I will miss Stephen Piscotti. I actually got a chance to meet him. A very nice guy. I wish him nothing but the best, and I and I hope his mother stays healthy for a very long time. Um, but you know, aside from a baseball move, you know, you just you you take it with a grain of salt and say good luck. Yeah, that is such a heart move and I applaud the Cardinals for doing it I know that they thought of doing it during the season last year I know that they looked at doing it during the season and I think at that point they they needed more of a return than what they could get but doing it now is it it cannot come as any surprise and it, it is just it's really nice as Zach actually wrote in his piece for us at Redbird Ranch, that it's nice to see an organization make a decision that's more to do with the heart and emotion than it is to do with the pocket or the potential for a, a win or a loss. And so I applaud the organization for that. 
this in, in, is one of those things that that absolutely engenders the best fans in baseball, and gotta love that. So, guys, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's talk about the big bat that the Cardinals picked up in the way of Marcelo Zuna. So, you are listening to the 41st episode of the official Redbird Rants podcast on Blog Talk Radio. Stick with us. And thanks for sticking with us. You are listening to the 41st episode of the official Redbird Rants podcast on Blog Talk Radio. We have about 15 minutes left, guys, and let's dive in and talk about Marcel Ozuna. Talk to us about what the Cardinals gave up to get him and what we will look like in 2018 now with a new outfielder coming in to an already crowded outfield. Let's start with you, Larry. And again, I want to issue the challenge. You are not allowed to say Marcel or Ozuna and go. All right. Well, I'd like to talk about John Smith then. But, but I think John Smith will be a tremendous asset to the – oh, I'm sorry. I, I, that may be confusing to some people. Let me, let me call him Stephen Piscotty instead. Um, <laughs> but, no, I, I think – Oh, that was low. Know, that was just a low blow. I, I, I think – I think I think Ozuna will be an exceptional ad for the St. Louis Cardinals. And let me talk about the deal itself, and then let me talk about what he brings. So, so there was question after Stanton was lost whether to go after Ozuna or Christian Yelich, and it, it's clear that because of the amount of control, the time of control, five years, and the quality of the player that he was, that Christian Yelich is um, you know is going to require a tremendous package to probably him lose from the Marlins, and it's not even clear whether that will happen. Having said that, I like the Mar- Marcelo Zuna bat for the St. Louis Cardinals better. Um, I really, really wish it were three years instead of two, but, you know, I think two is is fine, and I think they have an opportunity to work with him on a, on a, on a re-signing. I don't, think, I don't think trading for a one-year player like Manny Machado, who's an super-duper star and expecting to re-sign him is a realistic possibility. I think with Marcelo Zuna, who is a really fine player, but maybe not a super-duper star, signing him for two years and during that time trying to, you know, do, do a four- or five-year extension is very much a possibility. So I'm very, I'm very happy about that. Um, I think he fits into the lineup extraordinarily well. You know, you have a power right-handed bat now um, to plug into the middle of the lineup and what that will do, and we've talked about this ad nauseum over the last year, is it's going to make everybody else that much better because it's going to slot people into roles that are more consonant with what their actual baseball abilities are. You know, we've been asking players, you know, to be, you know, instead of the third best hitter, be the second best hitter, or instead of the fifth best hitter, be the fourth best hitter. Now you slot this guy in the middle of the lineup who can mash, and I, and I think you all of a sudden – you know, people can relax a little bit and have and have more realistic and reasonable roles and expectations. So I think that's fabulous. I think he's a great outfielder. Um, his arm is great, at least. Um, I looked, and he has as many assists in five years in the major league as Dexter Fowler has in five more years in the major league. So, so you know, he has a great arm. Um, they've been talking about him playing left where his, you know, where he's been playing and won a Golden Glove. I'd prefer to see him in right. Um, if Bam is in center, as we all hope, you know, I think Dexter is probably better in the least uh, stressful corner position in left. We don't know how that's going to play out, but he makes the outfield better in any event. In terms of what we gave up, we had the pitching depth. Um, you know, we gave up Sandy Alcantara, very strong arm, guy who can throw bullets. You know, I think the fish were high on him during the Stanton deal. They didn't get him. They remained high on him. That was fine. Mag Sierra, I think there's a real question about who he is. We saw him, you know, have a Bo Hart-like production at the major league level. But, but then he went down to the minor leagues, and he really didn't regain his hitting form. And, you know, I thought he was at least two or three years away from the majors if he's able to step in. And let's face it, guys, they had an outfield clock, and they, and, and, and they still have, you know, at least at this point in time, they still have Harrison Bader ahead of him. So I didn't think giving up Megs uh, was a big, big deal. And then the other two were, were really more throw-ins than anything else. So, so I, I found the value to be fine. 
I think the player's fine. I think the player is great for our lineup. And I think his outfield prowess will make the defense better. So, hate to sound too homerish, but I'm pretty bullish. Yeah, and that, it's easy to agree with. Uh, Christian, your thoughts on Ozuna? I mean, yeah, uh, I got to agree with Larry. I, I really like Ozuna. Um, I think that this was sort of his coming out year. I mean, this is usually the age for a, a guy like him to sort of peak out at his prime. And even if we don't get something like we got this year from him, with, I mean, hitting 312 with 37 home runs, I mean, that's a lot to ask from anybody. Even if we get somewhere in between this year and, say, his last year stats where he hit 266 with 23, we get something like uh, like a 280 with or 285 with 30 home runs. I mean, that is something that the Cardinals have sorely, sorely lacked in the middle of the lineup for a really long time, or at least since Holiday. Seems like a really long time considering how long they've been, like, in the dumps in terms of home runs and slugging percentage. Um. I am kind of, while I am okay with what they gave up, it is kind of unfortunate that Sierra had to be given up. Um, I do get the questions behind, you know, his his ability to hit. But um, I think that sorely as a 40-man roster guy later in the season in the playoffs, I mean, to have a guy like that come in and pinch hit, or sorry, not pinch hit, but to pinch run for a slower runner like Yachty, I mean... (laughs) Having a difference like that on on the base paths and just having that little extra burst, for especially for a team that isn't going to win by knocking you out of the park. I mean, having all the advantages on the base paths you can have come playoff time, uh, I think is important. So I think that losing that dynamic and not really having anything to replace that is somewhat unfortunate. But at the same time, getting a guy like Ozuna will undoubtedly make it worth it. Tito, your turn. I'm going to start with the return the Marlins received for Marcelo Zuna. I think the overwhelming response from Cardinal fans is that it, it was a, a steal for Mosellock and Co. And I'm going to agree with that because you're only giving up one top-end pitcher from your prospect pool. And I, and I understand they gave up Zach Gallen, who, you know, was arguably in the top 15 of their, you know, prospect list, I believe. Um, but you also gave up a guy named Daniel uh, Castano, who I've never heard of. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, f- to only give up Alcantara in this deal and to get two years of Marcelo Zuna and give away Mags, Sierra as well, it's a win for the Cardinals, and there's no way around that. Now, in terms of what the Cardinals received in value, you obviously have a guy that brings the power bat, but the big question mark is, and will be, is if he can return, or if he can repeat his 2017 and 2018 and, and 2019. If he can do that, then yes, this move is just a, it's a blown out of the water, overwhelmingly stacked for the Cardinals. But let's say he does 80% of what he did last year. It's still a good thing. Sure, it, you know, we'll revisit it and probably say, man, I wish we wouldn't have given up so much if his production is going to be like this. But again, as we were talking about earlier today in our Redbird Rants group, you have to take risks at some point. You have to, you have to bite the bullet. And if this is the if this is the move the Cardinals wanted to do, they took care of business and did it. And so they get a guy in Ozuna who can hit home runs, who can hit for average, who has speed and can drive and run. So what did we talk about all last year? What they needed? They needed somebody that could do all of that. Might maybe minus the speed part because they don't run at all, but. <laughs> But we we just constantly harped on the Cardinals for not having that guy. And is Ozuna is Ozuna the premier bat? No. And I think Cardinal fans probably understand that that he's not the best bat that was ever available because obviously that would have been Stanton. But he's going to be serviceable. And I think you're 
you see the Cardinals' hesitancy, though, because they're still linked with the Rays and getting Evan Longoria or even a possible Manny Machado. I, I, and that's not to say they don't believe in Ozuna, but I think they just are also aware of the fact that, hey, you know, he's not going to be able to, to take us over the top by himself. Because any, if anything, you're returning everybody else minus one player. And if they couldn't get it done then, what really what difference is Ozuna going to make on this team? And so I think that's why you see a push for even more players um, uh, or even more bats at this point. Yeah, and for my take, I, I while I agree with every one of you, my only concern with the pickup of Ozuna is I think that the organization was looking for a big power bat in the way of a of Stanton. And while Ozuna is a good bat and a above average and almost superb bat, don't get me wrong, he is not the hitter that a Stanton is. And in that regard, the team is again going to have to ask themselves, what type of team are we? What type of offense are we? And and there's nothing wrong with that. But perhaps this team is more of a doubles and triple you know, lineup, which is very deadly, but that's not what they were looking for. Uh, not to say that he's not going to smash his fair share of home runs, because that's going to happen. We've got video evidence of countless amounts where we can see that actually taking place. Uh, I am excited for him to be there, though. I, I'm I'm glad that we've got an outfield that I think is very well thought of and now have a guy to actually slot in very comfortably in the absence base of Matt Holliday. So in the last couple of minutes that we have remaining, and we've got about two minutes, what I'd like to do is just very quickly toss some names out and go around the table, get your very quick uh, 30-second reaction to them uh, in terms of whether the Cardinals are doing something, should be doing something, or, or not. And those names are Alex Colomay, Evan Longoria, and Manny Machado. Let's start with you, Tito. Thoughts? Alex Colomay is a definite yes. Manny Machado, if you can get him for the right price, not overpay for one year, then you do it. Um, And who was the last one? I'm sorry. Manny Machado. I said him, but who who was the other player? Oh, Evan Longoria. Longoria. Evan Longoria. Uh, yeah, if you can get Alex Colomay and Evan Longoria in a package, I, I think you pull the trigger. I think it's an obvious fit for the Cardinals. They have what the Rays need, and so um, I would welcome that trade. And if you, and if even better, if you can get Chris Archer in there as well. Larry, your thoughts? Um, don't don't want to pay the price for Machado for one year. Don't think it, it gives you a vast chance of re-signing him for a long-term contract, um, you know, and so I, I, I don't think there's a lot of time to be wasted there. Would love to have Cole May or, or on another, on another tack, Wade Davis, if, if that were available. Um, uh, love Chris Archer. Think Evan Longoria, Longoria is not even at this point any better and maybe not as good as Jed Jerko, and he's three or four years older. Uh, Evan Longoria in his early years was a super stud, and now he's just a very good player. I don't think we need him. I don't think there's any reason to have him. Um, and was there another player? No. Longoria, no. Colome, yes. Machado, don't waste your time. Not going to happen. And your turn, CMS. Colome uh, is a definite yes. We need um, more steady relief pitchers, and he's very underrated. Longoria, only if you can get him in a package with Colme, don't pursue him by yourself because there's, I don't think, like Larry said, I don't think there's a very point based on how he is. And Machado, unless you can get a like a sort of commitment to more than one year, as everybody's been saying, don't even bother going after Machado without what he's going to cost. Oh, well, guys, we've run out of time. Our, our, friend, our friend Dan Campbell said, Definitely get Machado, and I promised him I would say that. So, 
Yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, so uh, what a fun time this was, you guys. Uh, it's a shame that Dan couldn't call us. He was tied up at the winter meetings. Uh, but thanks for being on the call tonight. You guys were wonderful. Uh, Tito, have a nice time at the 10 o'clock showing of Last Jedi. The rest of us are, are jealous of you. I'm and about to uh, Larry, Force enjoy. Awakens, so, yes, I will. And Larry, enjoy your wine. And uh, Christian, I don't know what you're doing, but I hope you are enjoying it as well. So on behalf of all of us at Redbird Rants, we want to say thank you for listening to the official podcast of Redbird Rants. This is episode 41 of the first season, and we just want to say go Cardinals. Thanks, guys.